Support for Starting Small comes from Human Scale, the leading designer and manufacturer of high-performance ergonomic products that help create a healthier work life. All of the products from chairs to standing desk and more are comfortable, easy to use, and sustainable, and great for either the office or the work from home environment. With an increase in shifting workplaces, comfort can be especially hard to find. As I run the podcast, I'm in front of my desk for hours a day, from scheduling, researching, interviewing, and more. Human Scale allows me to remain productive without the consequence of body stress to follow. Make sure to check out Human Scale at humanscale.com and use code STARTINGSMALL at checkout to save 20% off your purchase. That's code STARTINGSMALL at humanscale.com and enjoy the episode. Hello and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small, a podcast about brand development, entrepreneurship, and innovation in the modern world. In this episode, I'm joined by Alex Levine, founder of Zbeck, a laptop attachment that adds two screens, instantly boosting productivity. Alex would frequently travel for his job. Realizing that his road setup in contrast to his office setup was influent, he created Zbeck to solve his own problem, adding screen attachments to his laptop anywhere he wanted to go. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Starting Small. Today, I'm joined by Alex Levine of Zbeck. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Cameron. Of course. So I'd like to start off with your upbringing. So where did you grow up and what was your childhood like? Yeah, so uh, I grew up uh, here in Austin, actually just west of Austin out in Bee Cave. Um, honestly, grew up in a very, uh, uh, I know, I just fun and exciting childhood. I'm the youngest of three of an older brother and older sister. Um, and, uh, you know, I think kind of growing up, out in the in the country, but still being involved in the city was uh, was pretty fun. But as a little kid, you know, my favorite things to do, uh, in addition to just running around the woods, you know, with neighbors, was uh, building things. Right, building tree forts. Um, I think in the backyard where my parents live, there's still mazes of you know remnants of tree forts that we built with zip lines from one end to another. Um, probably the least safe thing you could possibly imagine. Um, <laughs> And uh, playing a lot of baseball, uh, football, basketball, you know, all sorts of sports, just running around outdoor, being as, uh, you know, active as I could, um, I would say is, uh, is really what defined my childhood here in, uh, in the Austin area. Definitely. Would you say that you had an entrepreneurial mindset, uh, say, lemonade stands or building anything and selling any products? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, as a little kid, there were, there were, three things that I always said I wanted to be was a uh, baseball player, an astronaut, and an inventor. Um, wow. I didn't know entirely what that meant, um, <laughs> uh, but those are just three things that always fascinated me. Um, yeah, I mean, one of my, it, it's not even necessarily one of my own memories, but it's a memory my parents have when I was, you know, say four or five years old, we were on, um, uh, a, you know, American Airlines flight or something, and I created what was intended to be this, you know, Hot Wheels car, uh, uh, car wash, um, mm-hmm. with this combination of, uh, of cups and paper towels and straws <laughs> and whatever it may be. And so always loved creating things. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly had that entrepreneurial spirit, uh, rather early on as well. Yeah. Always, always had a lemonade stand set up, uh, in my parents' front yard, they kind of have this pool in front driveway in addition to kind of the private back driveway. And so, mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, I don't know something about, being able to create something from scratch always uh, captured my attention, but it was really, you know, focused on that creation side of things, especially mm. early on. For sure. So I saw you went on to study at the University of Texas. Uh, what did you study there? Yeah, so I studied civil engineering 
um, okay. at UT, uh, civil engineering, because I loved building things. Um, yeah. Like I was saying, you know, really from those, those tree houses that I had built as a little kid, all the way up through, you know, high school physics classes, you know, yeah. making random, you know, Rube Goldberg projects or you know, <laughs> terrible broken down go-karts, whatever it may be, just always loved creating things hands-on that, you know, you could, uh, you could see and touch and feel. Um, and in the most grand sense for a 17 year old's head was, oh, I'll be a civil engineer. And so that's what I studied yeah. and really enjoyed it. Awesome. With your time there, were you involved with any athletics or clubs? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I, I would love to say that I was uh, good enough at any sport to play at University of Texas, but unfortunately yeah. I was not. Um, uh, but no, I, when I was there, I was involved in, in a couple of uh, men's service organizations. Uh, one of them was called Texas Iron Spikes, um, which has, you know, to this day continue to be a really influential um, and uh, important organization to me and myself, um, you know, it was through connections within Iron Spikes that really set me off onto my career, aside from engineering into the tech world. Um, and uh, to this date, you know, whether they're interns or new hires or whoever we're bringing on here at ZBEC, um, I'm, uh, you know, always trying to tap into those kids here at UT Definitely. first. Um, and so, uh, yeah, those were, you know, that uh, as well as another organization that's, that's no longer around these days uh, were the two service organizations that I spent most of my time and, and built most of my, you know, friend group from. Yeah, awesome. So I'm curious, how did your aspirations for building and engineering, how did that transfer over following college into some of your further career jobs at that point? Yeah, so, um, you know, as, as soon as I, I left school, my first job, I was uh, lucky to be in tech consulting, working for Accenture. Um, mm -hmm. Loved that job. Honestly, you know, to this day, when I talk to to students, um, uh, especially a lot that were in my shoes, I mm -hmm. highly recommend going to, to work in the consulting world. Obviously, you know, I, I can't speak for any of the other firms, but I will say my time at Accenture was amazing. I mean, you're going to work a lot, you're going to work hard, but you're going to learn more than you, you know, possibly could. I, I used yeah. to tell people when I would recruit for them that, um, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up, but Accenture would pay me to learn. And mm -hmm. I really felt like that was a pretty fair explanation. Um, yeah. And uh, so obviously, you know, that was my <clears throat> day job, right? My, my career. Um, but, you know, like I said, early on when I was in college, actually, instead of having a traditional job at the bookstore or whatever it may be, I used to buy mm -hmm. mopeds and motorcycles um, that were, you know, broken in, mm -hmm. in, you know, the simplest terms. And I would, I would fix them up and flip them. That was my, wow. that was my job. And so, uh, wow. you know, all of my college buddies would say, you know, I'd stick my head out the apartment window and I'd see, Levine down there in the parking lot showing off some scooter 9 a.m. Saturday morning <laughs> to some kid in West Campus. Um, and so uh, that was, you know, really my first taste of, of you know, generating a, a viable income. Of course, that's uh, pretty easy to do when you're in college, but, you know, enough yeah. to, to, to move the needle. Um, and so always had this passion for, for business, uh, you know, small business, if you will, in addition to creating things. And so doing that was a great opportunity to get my hands dirty, <clears throat> both, you know, figuratively in the entrepreneurship world and literally in, in fixing things up. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the other things I've always really enjoyed is doing something I have no experience doing. Um, I, I did not grow up, you know, working on engines uh, by yeah. any means. And of course, go-karts and lawnmowers. I, I broke plenty of lawnmowers, so I had to learn how to fix those, but they're <laughs> not necessarily the exact same thing. And so I loved uh, the challenge of having to, Kind of diagnose what the problem may be, 
go yeah. through and uh, and you know improve upon it. And so um, did that. And like I said, whenever I was at Accenture, about my first year in, um, you know, I I'd been spending all this time reading about. Um, uh, at this point, in time I was very just, I would say, infatuated with uh, crowdfunding. I thought that it was a really really interesting space. It was an opportunity for you to do so much at the same time. You could one, you know. Yeah fundamentally launch a business Two, you can get amazing user feedback and three, you actually raise the funds to go launch that business, right? It, it's yeah. kind of validation and business foundation and fundraising all in one. And so, um, grew up my entire life playing guitar, another kind of entrepreneurial element. You know, one of my first jobs was riding my bike around the neighborhood and surrounding neighborhoods, teaching other younger kids how to play guitar. I've been playing yeah. music my entire life. And so, um, you know, I had this idea for, how I could, uh, you know, build some sort of physical device that would allow people to learn how to play uh, the guitar on their own, and uh, kind of taking the the concept from, um, you know, Guitar Hero and Rock Band that were really big uh, yeah. right around that time. And I said, okay, I, you know, I feel like I can create some sort of interactive device that allows people to focus on the muscle memory aspects of learning guitar, just your basic open chords. Yeah. And so um, it was around April of 2016, whenever. Um, I launched my first crowdfunding project. I launched on Kickstarter, and uh, you know, I, I did it all on my own. Right? I wow. I just shot the video. I I drafted and filed a uh, provisional patent with the U.S. Patent Office, which I would not recommend anybody do on their own. <laughs> you know, learned a lot that way. Um, yeah. You know, set up uh, uh, the the LLC, um, got all of the other legal documents in place, banking documents in place. Uh, I created this physical product sourced our factory overseas um and then you know put together all the creative to launch this kickstarter campaign spent a long time reaching out one by one to a bunch of different pr outlets and was fortunate enough to to raise the funds i needed to to launch the product it was very small and modest i needed wow. seven thousand dollars i think i got seventy two hundred dollars from a bunch <laughs> of 150 random people all over the world nice um and uh that was really my first opportunity to say hey you know I've been studying all these different concepts, reading all these books, blogs, whatever it may be on ways you can create businesses or grow businesses or modify or kind of, you know, um, uh, position yourself. But until you really have a use case, you never know what you're going to do. And so yeah. that was an awesome opportunity, you know, fully, you know, being fully prepared to fail at any step along the way yeah. um, and was fortunate enough to, you know, reach that goal. Get the products, uh, you know, manufactured and sent over to us. I had a team of, you know, friends and families sitting in a living room putting together boxes and packaging <laughs> them up. And then I drove them down to the post office, and that was, uh, you know, my very first taste in in launching a business. It's it's no longer wow. around today, um, but it was absolutely fundamental to to my growth as an entrepreneur, and it just really, you know, made the itch that much stronger. Definitely, that's awesome. Um, with that time period there in 2016 and transitioning to 2018, were you working a full-time job at this point or were you yes. fully? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still working, you know, 60 hours or whatever it may Got be it. at Accenture. My, my very first prototype of this guitar instructional product, I was up in Portland, Oregon, actually at the time, uh, I would, I would run to the target, um, and I would grab whatever supplies I could. The first set of this was popsicle sticks with buttons that I hot glued to it and I had rubber bands that I bought and I attached it to the neck of my guitar. I, uh, you know, the most rudimentary, um, yeah. uh, conceptual prototype. And then of course, from there went to 3d, uh, printing and then injection molding. But, um, yeah, no, very much, you know, nights and weekends, just 
you know, really being obsessed with the process. Hope you guys are enjoying this episode so far around Alex's entrepreneurial journey. I'd like to pause and say thank you to this episode's mid-break sponsor, Bright Tech, offering designer lighting at prices accessible to everyone. With over 1 million customers served, 40,000 five-star product reviews, and a five-year industry-leading warranty, I highly recommend Bright Tech for the office or home. Make sure to check them out for yourself at brighttech.com and use code STARTINGSMALL, all capital, no spaces, for 10% off your purchase, and enjoy the rest of the episode. ZBEC comes in 2018. I'm curious, where did this idea of the portable uh, tri screen where did that originate from? Yeah, so, um, you know, it was, it was my idea as I found myself on the road, um, you know, four days a week, right? So in the consulting world, you're spending Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, working from hotels, hotel lobbies, airports, airport lounges, coffee shops, client site basements, you name it, anywhere but, you know, a consistent workspace. Mm-hmm. Uh, meanwhile, on Fridays, we'd come home to, you know, you know, this beautiful Accenture Austin office or Accenture Houston office, um, which have, you know, 32 inch curved monitors, anti-carpal tunnel wrist pads, Herman Miller chairs, you know, the, yeah. the perfect setup. But the reality was myself and all of my, my coworkers were spending 90, 95% of our week huddled over these small 13 inch laptop screens. Mm. And so, um, it was really, you know, the first kind of uh, the genesis of this product, uh, what is now our ZBEC tri screen was focused on solving a problem that I had, right? I yeah. was uh, on the road and I needed something that I could bring with me because frankly, um, you know, lugging a 24 inch plug in monitor uh, in your bag was not a very feasible thing to do whenever yeah. you were on the road. Definitely. So with that, what did the prototyping process look like? Were you engineering this with your expertise prior or did you partner? Yeah, absolutely. So we, um, you know, at the beginning days of this actually is back in 2017, um, mm-hmm. whenever, you know, we first came across this concept and, and I'm saying we at this, at this point in time, and I'll eventually bring Trevor into this we pretty soon, my, my co-founder. Mm-hmm. Um, but in, uh, in early 2017 was whenever, you know, first came across this issue over and over again and said, mm-hmm. okay, what can we do about this? Uh, on one flight home from my project, I believe I was either in Chicago or New Jersey at the time, uh, flying back to Texas. And uh, I whipped up a real nasty uh, uh, AutoCAD drawing. I 3D printed it over the weekend, busted out some old laptop screens. And that was a really nasty version zero of mm. what has turned into the ZBEC tri-screen. Um, yeah. So it was very much myself. I, I design in a way that I call Craigslist design. Uh, mm-hmm. It is very functional, but not the sexiest thing you've ever seen, um, yeah. especially this uh, early, early version. Um, but that was enough for me to bring it with me and actually use it functionally, right? So I bring yeah. it up the next week to, to uh, where my project is, um, and you know my coworkers are instantly you know interested. They're like, "Hey, this thing's awesome because you know, they're working the same life as I am, right?" And so then yeah. they go, "Hey, how can how can I get one of these?" I explain. I printed it over the weekend. I'm not spending 48 hours to build one of these for somebody else. But it was interesting to see, you know, that they had a very similar response as uh, as as I had, and obviously it was something I was I was proud of. But um, uh, a longtime friend of mine, you know, childhood friend of mine, went to uh, um, you know played little league baseball together, went to the University of Texas together. Um, did different things in school, but still maintained a strong relationship was a good buddy of mine, Trevor Russo at the time he was, um, working, uh, in consulting in New York city for Deloitte. And, uh, he was doing very similar stuff, right? Monday through Thursday on the road, 
Um, yeah. and he, he and I, uh, had always shared, you know, the, the entrepreneurial, uh, I guess passion for, for small business and passion for business. Mm-hmm. Um, he studied finance in school. I studied engineering in school and I was like, you know what, I'm going to talk to Trevor, see if he finds this thing interesting and maybe we'll team up. And, uh, that's exactly what we did. Showed it to him, you know, that following week, he had the mm-hmm. same response. His coworkers had the same response. And so we felt like we were, you know, maybe on to something uh, yeah. there on the side. So tech-wise, uh, you're, you're 3D printing these. How did you wire the complete thing tech-wise then by yourself? Yeah, I mean, these were uh, here in Austin. Uh, there's a Goodwill electronics store uh, of okay. all things and uh, bought, you know, eight, nine, ten uh, small 10-inch <laughs> laptops yeah. and ripped out the screens from that uh, and other components that you can find, um, you know, uh, on Amazon, um, on Alibaba, you name it. Uh, yeah. you know, the, the electronic element of it is rather simple. And, uh, I think growing up, uh, in Austin, you know, being just, uh, you know, a fan of the university of Texas, my whole life, someone, uh, uh, or someone like Michael Dell has always been just a, you know, somebody I've, I've admired and, Definitely. uh, you know, he was building computers in his dorm room. Um, uh, you know, and, I don't even know if he ended up getting to graduation, but what he was doing was he was assembling components that already existed. Mm. Um, and there was, uh, you know, this massive market for people that didn't necessarily need to build each individual component, but know how they connect to one another and yeah. be able to do it in a new and innovative way that then creates a new final product. And uh, I read a real amazing quote um, by, I believe it was the founder of Nintendo, um, who was talking about their design methodology, which was, lateral thinking with weathered technology. Um, mm. And I just love that concept, right? Anything that you build does not need to use the most cutting edge component or subcomponent, yeah. but if you assemble it in such a way that is you know, unique, then it can create an entirely new experience. And so that's really what I Definitely. focused on. I knew the technology of you know, the battery powered monitors existed, but doing it in a form factor that was unique like this was not there. And so I was trying to apply the existing electrical uh, knowledge to uh, these kind of new and innovative mechanical. uh, Definitely. Um, At launch and then also with today as well, um, what are your main forms of marketing contrasting typical desktop monitors? Yeah, absolutely. So in October of 2019 was whenever we we launched Zbeck. So we took the dive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and you know, our main focus at that point in time was on business travelers, right? Yeah. Um, obviously being biased because that's what, you know, Trevor and I were. So we're talking consultants, accountants, salespeople, executives, uh, people that were consistently on the go, right? So yeah. lightweight and portable, um, were, you know, the two most key differentiating elements between desktop monitors, uh, and, and our product at the time. Yeah. Um, and so that's really what we focused on, uh, you know, concept of putting everything into your bag, going to the airport, flying, and then coming back. You know, how can you do that in a feasible manner? Because when you're, this was a quote we used to use, we said, you know, when you're a traveling professional, you're also a professional traveler and uh, you need to have the tools uh, yeah. with you when you're on the road. So that was really where we focused early on. Definitely. Uh, from a customer's POV, say they receive the box, they make the order. What does the unboxing process look like? And then to set up, is it fairly simple? Yeah. So, um, you know, we're, we're now, you know, as of June of 2021, we're now on our tri-screen two. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, completely redesigned and reimagined uh, a product, which, you know, 
our, our customers have, you know, been extremely excited about, we've been really excited about because we've been able to, you know, apply a lot of the feedback that, that we got from the original model. Um, we think that unboxing in and of itself is, is a rather key element. I mean, we spend a lot of our time with any new products we're working on, on the unboxing and packaging design experience. So whether the artwork itself on the outside might be rather straightforward, um, we're really excited uh, that we were able to create this uh, packaging experience that emulates the way in which the product works, right? So two screens yeah. slide out from either side. Our packaging has two parts with the same tabs that you pull out to, you know, reveal the product underneath. And then from there, right. you know, I mean, you can, it, it may take you your first time, uh, a couple minutes to understand which cables you need. We, we provide well over the amount and number of cables you would need to connect to any type of laptop. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we would rather we would rather send you too much than, you know, have you uh, uh, reach out and say, hey, I need X, Y, and Z. And so um, yeah. other than our, you know, special tri-screen adapter, we include every cable that we offer in our box. And so once you know which ones apply to yours and how to connect, um, the second time you connect, probably do it in 30 seconds, then probably 25, 20. And, you know, I can wow. connect mine now in about 10 seconds, right? It's something wow. that's just really kind of the nature of while my computer's booting up, I slide each screen out plug one cable into each, and then we're up and running. That's amazing. From a customer's uh, POV again, what does the speed and battery look like with the device when connecting uh, ZBAC? Does it differ? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question. So you'll see about a, a 25 to 30% uh, battery drain um, okay. increase. Um, now that does vary. It could be lower, it could be higher, you know, on a number of factors. One, the brightness that you select mm -hmm. with the side screens. Um, the number of programs and the, you know, uh, the, the, you know, I guess CPU that is required by these programs um, yeah. that you're running simultaneously, you know, the beauty of having three screens is now you can triple your, um, uh, you know, productivity and you could be running a uh, animation and rendering software on one screen. You could be uh -huh. running a massive Excel program on another and have your IDE open for, whatever Python script you're creating in a third and wow. running all three of those at one point in time, you know, could, could drain it certainly quicker than if you're sitting there on one, you know, PowerPoint, Microsoft Word and Slack, right? So um, that's why we give it a little bit of the range, but you know, with most new laptops having anywhere from, you know, uh, five to 10 hours of battery life, you still have a good chunk of time uh, before yeah. you're, you're running for an outlet. Amazing. Uh, looking at ZBEC today, then, uh, of course, there's a major differentiation with uh, portability, but what would you say separates ZBEC from competitors? Our number one differentiator from anybody else in this, um, what we call portable workstation space, mm -hmm. uh, is the way in which our laptop attaches to the, or our product attaches to the back of the laptop screen. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, being non intrusive, easy to use, and quick. Um, as well as universal were really key to us from the very beginning, especially because this is something that you will be using on potentially a personal laptop, but you know, very likely a work laptop. So, yeah. um, you know, our product uses a tensioning mechanism and that's where our utility patent is focused on this tensioning mechanism that expands and contracts and hugs the side and top of your laptop screen. And as soon as you remove it, I could then, you know, put it on your laptop screen immediately after. And there's no sort of installation process. Um, you know, the other competitors in this space require, um, you know, magnetic plates, 3M adhesive to be permanently installed. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's something that, you know, just provides a little bit of hesitation from what we found from customers whenever they're 
either putting them on their own $2,000 new MacBook, Mac, MacBook Pro or yeah. they're putting it on their HP Elite book they got from uh, work, but <laughs> they're not so sure how the IT department would feel about it. So um, that's, that's definitely our key differentiator amongst you know, a number of other things. Um, mm. but, uh, but yeah, that's the biggest difference. Amazing. Well, I like to conclude each episode with this. If you could share one piece of advice with an aspiring entrepreneur, uh, maybe something you've learned or regret, what would that be? Yeah, I would, I mean, if I could share one piece of advice for anybody, it's just do it, right? Just go out and send it. And whatever you're thinking about, you can start as small as you need to. Um, you don't need to take a massive leap of faith um, because you have an idea and you know throw your whole life away. I think that that's a big fear that a lot of people have. Um, start small, uh, you know, build a minimum viable product and see if you can't you know, build something that can turn into a sustainable business for you, uh, your community, your family. Um, and just don't be afraid to fail because you're, you're going to fail and failure is just one step closer to success. So, sure. uh, so don't be, don't be set back. Definitely. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining me and to the listeners out there, make sure to check out Zbeck at thezbeck.com. I appreciate it. Thanks, Cameron. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of starting small. If you would, Leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also, follow Starting Small Pod on social platforms to keep up to date on future guests.